0: Hello, and welcome to Thrive, a podcast that gives you strategies and inspiration to help you live your best life.
1: Learn from us, two cancer survivors, as we show you how we don't just survive, but thrive.
0: The Thrive podcast is brought to you today by The T-Spot. Get 15% off of any purchase from The T-Spot by going to thetspot.com and using coupon code THRIVE. Hi, I'm Garth Callahan. I am the original napkin notes dad. I've been diagnosed with cancer seven times so far. And more importantly than that, I have been writing notes to my daughter, Emma, and sticking them into her lunch ever since kindergarten.
1: Hi, I'm Dara Kurtz. I'm the creator of crazyperfectlife.com, a place to go to help you find meaning each day and live your best life. And I'm author of the book Crush Cancer. We have such an amazing guest today. Aaron Faulkner is here. Aaron is the author of How to Get Shit Done, editor-in-chief and co-owner of pickthebrain.com and co-founder of Leaf TV. Aaron, thank you so much for being here.
2: Thank you guys so much for having me. I'm excited to chat today. You
1: have done so much and it's really limitless in terms of just all of the knowledge that you have. When I was reading your book, which I know our listeners are going to love, you talked a lot about how we as women feel like we have to be everything for everyone. And I was wondering, how do you think we even got to this place where we feel like we have to do it all?
2: Well, I think there are, you know, there are a couple of things. I think the first thing is just there is a different programming for women as opposed to men. We're just built differently and differently psychologically. And I think that we have a lot of kind of guilt as it pertains to the home. We're never good enough. We put ourselves in charge. We hold ourselves accountable. We won't let go from a control perspective. So even if there is help from a partner or from a family member, we've got to kind of be micromanaging everything. And so I think there's a little bit of in your DNA, but also self-created that puts us in a very special category. And then as it pertains to work, you know, we're relatively new to the workforce and had been shut out of that for a long time and so I talk about in the book the internet the digital era kind of being the great equalizer for women because it's kind of placed less importance on those traditional hierarchies it's created new avenues for revenue and career growth but all of that said there's still this fear that if we stop going for five seconds we're going to be replaced or shown the door or you know and so we've taken on a lot of these responsibilities in the workplace out of fear and in the home, uh, a lot of kind of guilt. And so those two things combined are, are really kind of like a recipe for disaster.
1: I think anytime we have fear plus guilt, it definitely always yeah. does equal a recipe it's not good. for disaster, right? <laughs> yeah,
2: not, not a good place to live. And that's the problem. That's kind of the genesis of this book, because this is such an exciting time on so many fronts. And yet, and the people that I worked with, the women that I worked with, I saw them achieving so much. And yet there was zero satisfaction. And we were all kind of careening into a brick wall, as opposed to embracing these opportunities and making them really work for us.
1: Because I feel like we think we have to be perfect. We have to be good at everything. And We're not going to be perfect because we're people and we're going to make mistakes. And sometimes we just need to give ourselves a little bit of grace in terms of our acceptance of that.
2: Yeah. And I think you're, I completely agree with you. And I think one of the things that really is dangerous right now is this idea of judgment, you know, this idea that we've got to be perfect. Because we feel like there's so much judgment around us, whether it's a lot of propagated through social media and just these projections of perfect lives, perfect households, perfect careers. So we feel very judged, but we're also doing a lot of judging. Yeah. And so, you know, we've also got to take responsibility for that when, you know, a lot of the reason we feel so judged is because we were ourselves are judging others. And so I think it's very important to pay attention to that. And particularly, as I said, this is kind of the birth of this is through social media and these forums for immediate comparison to other people's lives.
0: Both Dar and I are pretty active within our own small social media circles. And mm-hmm. when I started posting things on social media, way back early in the day when you know i was still like the mayor of of my church on foursquare i mean
2: right really i mean
0: (laughs) was that really necessary um but what i think that people forget is that very few people are spending time posting their failures on social media You know, you see everybody's Instagram posts with their perfect Halloween costume and their perfect dessert that they made and their perfect backyard fence that they built. But people neglect to post how many times they made an awful looking cake. Or mm-hmm. how many iterations of their Halloween costume did they have to go through? And then they finally ended up just going to buy all of the parts and put them together. Right.
2: Right. Yeah, exactly. It's a very skewed version of reality. And yeah, unfortunately, and, and... it's
1: what our kids are growing up seeing. And that just mm-hmm. is a whole nother level of. Creating these people that feel like and they're so they're teenagers, which means they're so impacted by what they see already. And their level of feeling like they need to be perfect is just great.
2: Right. And I think we're seeing the results of that. teen Teen anxiety is up. Yes. So high. And then, of course, now the anxiety and the depression is up in teens. And so what is in, up in tandem? Prescriptions being written to try and cure these things. So the cycle is not great. It's funny. There was a big article in The New York Times that it came out just a couple of days ago where they interviewed some of the top executives from Google and Facebook. I don't know if you guys read this from mm-hmm. Google and Facebook and talking about what screen time does for kids. And it's pretty scary.
0: Yeah,
1: it is scary. <laughs> Definitely.
2: Well, getting back to talking about
1: judgment, you know, I've kind of learned this about myself, like the older I get, I've noticed that when I'm around someone, and I feel like they're judging me, I almost just want to flee. Like I don't even want to be around anyone that I feel is judging me. And my tolerance for it, I feel like has even gotten, it's decreasing, maybe the older I've gotten, and even maybe the more aware I am about not having to surround myself with people that I feel like are just judging me, not because they want to elevate me or help me, because they they want to point out my flaws. They want to find what they can find that isn't working.
2: Yeah, one of the things I talk about in the book is it's critical to analyze How you're spending your time, you know, how much time you're giving away in the day. And I talk a lot about how to do that. But the second part of that, and just as important, is not just how you're spending your time, but who you're spending your time with. Because it is. The people in your world, you know, they say you are the five people you spend the most time with. The thing is, we don't spend a lot of time analyzing what these relationships are bringing us or what we're bringing to these relationships over time. So a lot of these relationships are just very dialed in. I think it's very important that you have been conscious enough and kind of self-aware to understand that there are certain influences where you feel judged and you're starting to minimize those experiences because those experiences do a lot of damage over the long haul towards your esteem, towards your energy levels and just generally the stuff that makes you feel good or bad and some of these relationships unfortunately turn to the negative. You know, people need to make you feel bad to make themselves feel good cuz they don't feel good and that's just one example, but just judgment situation is a great example of that cuz there's so much of it going on. So You've got to be aware of how you're being treated and how you're allowing people to treat you and then make decisions about that.
1: There's so much wisdom in your book. And one of the things I loved that you talked about is zeroing in on three areas of your life where you really want to excel. Mm-hmm. And I'd love for you to kind of walk our listeners through that because you really basically say, look, you're not going to be good at everything. So let's just find three things that you really want to focus on and be good at those things. hmm.
2: Yeah. So one of the things that happens are, you know, when people start out on careers, you could go to university and you decide at, you know, 18, 19 years old, this is what I want to do for my life. Then you get an education and then you just keep going on that track and you never really check in. Hey, is this still cool? Is this still what I want to do? Like, if you think about it from like 18 to 25, you've done so much growing and discovering who you are that your career trajectory or what interests you in life or what you want to spend your time on is apt to change but the fact of the matter is a lot of people just spend that time right before they go to university or they're going to embark on a career of taking that time what do I want to do what do I want to do and then once you've decided on you kind of stop I think that's a real problem so what i encourage everybody to do is stop what they're doing basically right now and analyze where am i how did I get here am i happy here and where do I ultimately want to go And once you take the time to do that and start answering those bigger kind of tough questions, which I have like workbook sections in the book that you can kind of guide you through that whole process, you're probably going to feel pretty overwhelmed because there's a ton of stuff you're doing, you don't like most of it. And so how do you kind of carve out a path of fulfillment and satisfaction for yourself? So The next thing I talk about doing is once you've understood, kind of got your bearings of where you are and where you want to go, I suggest doing a seven-day time tracking challenge, which basically just entails writing down every single thing you're doing from morning to night for seven days. And at the end of that seven days, when you've got that kind of chart of how you spend your time and you pair it up with where you want to be, your jaw is probably gonna hit the ground when you realize how much time you're giving away on helping other people's agendas move forward. So it's a daunting to start to get an agenda for yourself that makes sense. And so I talk about choosing three big things. It doesn't have to be three. Three feels balanced and makes sense for me, but maybe it, it's four for you, or I would not do more than five. Three is the number I came up with that makes sense. And you try and choose one thing in the three big buckets, your personal life, your professional life, and then something to do with relationships. And choose, again, these aren't laid in stone, but this is a general guideline, choose one big thing that really means something to you in all of those categories and start working towards it. And so when you check in and do another mini time tracking challenge a month later, it doesn't have to be seven days, let's say it's three days, you should start to see real movement Towards things that are move those three things for you. And that's you want to get more and more in the space that 85% of your time is working towards those three things. And then 15% of your time is like miscellaneous and crap you've got to do mm-hmm. that you don't necessarily want to do. But until you've really isolated the things identified and then isolated the things that you want to do and make sense for you and are important to you and speak to your core values, you're just kind of doing things randomly. And some of them will hit your overall goals, but most of them actually won't. And when you start removing the stuff that doesn't move the needle for you, you actually end up having a lot more time because people are always like, I don't know, I don't have a second more to do, you know, I want to do this, I want to do that, but there's just no time. And that's the thing is you're just giving away so much of your time mindlessly without even thinking about it. So when you reduce that, you actually find a lot of time that could be used to really make a difference for yourself.
1: I love that so much. Do you think that the saying "we can get it all" or "we can have it all"? Do you think that's actually accurate? Can we have it all? I hate that saying. I know. I I
2: It's your opinion. <laughs> I don't even know. I don't even want it all. Exactly. That's boring. What Thank I always say know. to people: I, What would I do once I had it all? Well, then yeah. you have no purpose. Right. Yeah. It's the pursuit of things that is interesting. It is and dynamic. Once you get everything well either you've set your bar way too low Uh you know what I mean and you're never going to maximize who you are or let's just say in this utopian world like you just got it all now what now what you know so then what do you do there's nothing to do there's no what's the reason for life you have to take responsibility for yourself make some choices don't want all all is general right make some choices and stand behind them and go after them in a meaningful way. It's not about trophies. Do you know what I mean? It's about a process. A hundred percent. And so you want to be obviously filling up your portfolio of a rich life and always contributing to it and pivoting. And so you attain something, but then you say, now let me get this experience to be fuller. And how do I do that? And how do I make it? And then you achieve that. Now, how do I make it fuller and more dynamic? So it's not about like, ding, 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 ding. I got it. You know what I mean? That's the wrong yeah. right mindset. I love
1: everything that you just said. And Garth and I believe it, it's so important to keep growing and to keep letting yourself explore new things and, and have new challenges. And we meet so many people that, especially once they become grown ups, if you will. We, we somehow feel like we don't get to do that, or we don't give ourselves the time to do that, or the permission to do that, or fear gets in the way, and mm-hmm. that's why I think your book is so important for our listeners to really know about, because we want you to make the most of every single day of your life, and a lot of the tips and tools that you have put in your book, Erin, are really there to help people create that life that they are striving for. Yeah, well, thank you. You're <laughs> so let's talk a little bit about technology mm-hmm. because in your book you talk a lot about different technology hacks and you know I'm just going to tell you so, this so
0: Dara I I really have to I have to kind of break in here I I find it hilarious that you're the one who who started okay, down right? this, this track okay. of conversation
1: so, <laughs> I'm just going to say this right now because <laughs> I thought, I actually thought about this while I was saying that So Garth and I met last week. We're leading a beautiful retreat this coming weekend at this amazing space. And we were kind of meeting just to kind of go over our final agenda, if you will. Garth turned to me. And when we were doing it, we were sharing. What was it that we were sharing, Garth?
0: An Evernote document. (laughs)
1: An Evernote, right? So I was having trouble. I was struggling with my Evernote, and Jara <laughs> turned to me, and he's like, okay, Jara, I'm just going to say this. If there was a scale between one and five, with one being someone that just is horrible, and he used other words, but I'm just going to that, <laughs> with one being someone who is horrible at technology, and 10 being someone who's just like, you know, you can, I don't know, just invent amazing things. He's like, basically, you're a two, you told me I was a two. That, you know, I've really been thinking about that this week, Garth, because I wanna I wanna elevate my skills.
0: Well, you know, what so what was interesting to me through that whole dynamic conversation that we were having is that Emma has been Emma's Emma, my daughter. Sorry,
2: my daughter. daughter. Mm-hmm.
0: Um and so she's she's just turned nineteen, she's a freshman in college, but Aww. she has been using laptops ever since she was in sixth grade in our School district, we're very blessed that our students get issued laptops starting at sixth grade. Wow. Yeah. um, Now, don't you know? Let's not talk about the amount of weight that that adds to their backpacks. But (laughs) but she has this innate sense of how to share documents. The way that I envision her in college is that she's creating these documents and sharing them with the appropriate students, and they're all adding content. Uh-huh. At different times, so that when it's time to study, not only does Emma have her notes, but she has access to the notes of five or six other students, and it's just a, a really great way to collaborate. And frankly, that's how that's how a lot of work gets done. Right? Uh-huh. You, nobody nobody works on their own little thing at their desk, and then they people come to together in a meeting, and everybody adds <laughs> right. their pieces of paper together. Right. And so, I just inherently thought that. I would create this document and share it with Dara and then she could add her edits and we wouldn't have to go to this, you know, let's create a word document and email it back and forth. <laughs> kind of like how, you know, all three of us have written books and I know uh-huh. that that's how, that's how we worked with the publisher, right? So uh-huh. I had to to email in a copy of what I had written, but yeah. When I was working on the book, I was working with an editor live. We had access to the document live so she could see exactly what I was typing as I typed it.
2: Yeah. So cool. Um,
0: Dara and I come to technology from very opposite ends of the spectrum. <laughs> and I'd like to bring us a little bit closer. And, I
1: would like that too,
2: Garth.
0: <laughs> and uh, and we'd, we'd love to hear kind of what your take is on, on this whole topic
2: well it's so funny because you mentioned your daughter going to university so I actually just started a master's in psychology Mm. and that I started two months ago and it's just so dramatically different from when I originally went for my undergrad there it's like there are no textbooks everything's online everything's digital some of the courses are online I mean most predominantly in class but it's just a completely different experience and like when I sat down uh, in the first class, I was like feverishly writing notes on a notebook. <laughs> I was the only one doing that. And somebody was like, Oh no, all of the class notes, or you just get them, you know, we'll slack them to you. And da da da. I was like, Ah, <laughs> perfect. Because I literally could not read one word that I'd written, I was writing. So,
1: <laughs> oh, that's so funny. So, do you like it better now when you compare it to? College? Well, it's do
2: you like it's this so it's so funny because I'm so immersed in the tech world and everything I do is kind of online and through yeah. apps and da, da da da. But just my mindset about school, because I hadn't been in so long, I was still in that kind of older mindset. So it's funny, like even and when I wrote my book actually, I wrote a lot of it, at least rough outlines like pen and paper, kind of old school. So I have something tied in my mind about writing that is still very (laughs) antiquated everything else I do in my life is very kind of modern I guess like
0: technology
2: forward but I do think it's really important in terms of there are so many ways to save time with the current technology landscape and I think it it makes sense to spend some time understanding the tools that are available to you. And just this Evernote is a, just a great example. Instead of wasting time writing Word docs and sending them back and forth and then missing some edits and mm-hmm. you know yeah. not capturing everything. I mean, I remember back in the day when I would be writing something, I had a writing partner about 10 years ago, and we'd literally be sending a script back and forth. And it would be crazy because without fail, three weeks into something, I'd be like, wait, what version are you working on? No, wait. Oh my God, we're, We're working on the wrong versions. And it's like, oh, my God. And so just things like Evernote save so much time and preserve a a level of accuracy that was previously unavailable. Um, And then I talk about in the book, there are a lot of apps, like whether they're shopping, like grocery shopping apps or, you know.
1: What are your favorite? Give us like three your favorite technology hacks?
2: Again, it's really personal to me. So I had to sit down with myself and say, God, what can I not stand doing? And for me, one example was grocery shopping. I have friends that like love going to the grocery store and they go up every aisle and they decide <laughs> what wonderful meals they're going to make. And they, me, I just, I can't stand it. I hate the lighting. It's cold. I never know quite exactly what I'm going to get. So there's a sense of chaos. It just, the experience is terrible. So for me, when there's I don't in Los Angeles um, I'm not sure if it's across the country but I'm sure there's something similar there's a there's an app called Instacart and for $5.99 I order everything online and they deliver it to me and I get a lot of feedback from people when I'm saying things like this being like yeah but Aaron that's six dollars and you know that adds up over time and and it is true that there is a fee for this but the way I explaining to people is, but what is my time worth? Grocery shopping takes about, you know, let's just say 45 minutes for me. So what are those 45 minutes worth? Well, they're worth a lot more than $6. What can I get done in that 45 minutes is worth a lot more than $6. So I have gotten in the habit of, I have a lot of events for work. And though they happen after, like, you know, evening, like cocktail, like mixer type of things. And so I was working all day, then driving to an event, finding parking. These events inevitably are like 6.37, so driving in rush hour, Mm. getting to the event, you know, whatever, and then having to drive back. So for me, a lot of times it makes sense to take an Uber or a a ride-sharing program. And I've literally done the math on it. So I'm like, it's going to cost me... 15 bucks to get there and 15 bucks to get back, let's just say. Okay, but if you say, if I drive to the event, what's the parking? Well, the parking's gonna probably cost me seven or eight bucks. So $30 minus eight. So that night, so I'm out 22 bucks, let's say. But if I can work in the car well somebody else is driving there, enjoy myself because I'm not stressed out and I can maybe have a drink there, but I'm not driving back. So then I'm more social, maybe I make a better connection, maybe I'm more present when I'm there, and then I can work and routine emails when I'm being driven back. Well, that costs $22, but how much did I make in terms of, you know, I've put my time towards returning emails or working on a project in the back of the car. So you really need to break it down. It's not just a, well, it's a $5.99 fee. It's a five ninety nine dollars fee, but what did you gain from that? So that's what you need to start looking at. And then by coincidence, I do love Evernote. I think it's a great way to communicate and work on stuff.
1: After hearing you say that, first of all, I definitely order my groceries online and I'm all about taking Ubers. So I feel like maybe Garth shouldn't have given me a two. (laughs) Maybe I should have maybe gotten a three. (laughs) Yeah, but um. I I think if I were in grad school right now, or back at school, I would probably have been sitting there with my pen and paper out as well. So um, I think about that a lot. So it's amazing how everything has sort of evolved. And you're right, when we look at it from a perspective of how can we be more efficient and really make more time for ourselves and make our lives easier – then, I mean, there's definitely the motivation there to see what's out there and take the time to kind of learn about ways to bring that to ourselves.
2: Yeah, absolutely.
1: Which I love. So what do you do on a daily basis to help yourself thrive? On this podcast, we talk a lot about how to make ourselves better and, you know, what we can do to help ourselves thrive. And you've given us so many different tips and beautiful takeaways. But I we always love hearing about just what someone does in terms of their personal life and how they different ways that they really help themselves thrive on a daily basis.
2: Yeah, so one of the big things for me that kind of changed the game, I was as a writer, kind of a classic, you know, creative night owl and felt like all my best creativity w- happened in, you know, late night and so by definition I would get up a little later or if I got up early I would be very tired and out of it and my mornings felt very chaotic. So I made a decision to kind of craft out a personal morning routine for myself and to go to bed earlier I started to understand the importance of sleep more and more and more and more. I mean, the science is just out on it. And so I was, I need to make a shift here. I need to really concentrate on working on my sleep. I was a terrible sleeper. And so taking active steps to make sure I'm getting a a really good night's sleep and then crafting a morning routine that really worked for myself. Like I used to wake up in the morning, grab my phone, immediately start checking emails. And that's a really chaotic way to start the day for me and probably for most people and it also just starts out the day doing things kind of subconsciously or unconsciously in other words not really making choices just rolling over picking up the phone and going and allowing that to kind of dictate my day so the second i started to take control of my morning and really carve out a little bit of time for me i felt that that set the tone for the rest of the day so what that looked like for me was not picking up my phone right away, making sure I got up early enough to do to have a 20 minute meditation in the morning. This is crucial for me, has been a major game changer for me. I can't talk highly enough about the power of meditation.
1: I agree with you 100% and on mornings that I don't meditate, I have two daughters, my oldest is in college, but my youngest is in 10th grade and on on days that I don't wake up and give myself that time to meditate and i try to like fit it in later on in the day it just feels differently it's it not does, the same it feels different yeah
2: yeah yeah because yeah, the mind is already so spun out you know at three yes. o'clock yeah it's still what, better than what, not what time, doing it it is but, you're right yeah. what time
1: people, i love to hear what time people get up because it, it well, seems like we always end up talking about this with our guests the the mm. importance of having a morning routine and i love hearing about other people's morning routines. Mm-hmm. Well,
2: I get up now, I have a one-year-old, oh. so yeah, Congrats. So this- Thank you. so this last year has been yeah you know, a obviously a little time. yeah <laughs> my a little yeah, a little not stuck to a routine. however, I now have it for the last five months where he gets up at about seven fifteen. so I get up about seven fifteen. that's kind of when the day starts. you know, I get up, we have breakfast, I go for a walk with him, I put him down for a nap, and that's when I meditate and then I start working. It's been a bit of a change, honestly having having oh, a baby, but yeah.
1: Yeah, you have to be flexible. And that's Uh the whole thing is just giving ourselves like we talked about before, the ability to grow and Uh change and not be so structured and being flexible and saying, Okay, this is kind of where I am now. How can I fit in meditation? That's really important to me. When can I do it so that it works for my life today. And Uh I always felt like when my kids were that age, I would figure it out and then it felt like we finally got into a routine and then boom, something would happen and right. it would we would have to just like totally figure out again. Pivot. Yeah. <laughs> and totally. it, but it was fun. that was part of the fun.
2: Yeah, of course. Yeah. It's not yeah, it doesn't it's a good thing. You know, it's not. Yes. If you have the right attitude about it, it's a good thing. Um, And then the last thing I would say just about what's really important is I'm a huge believer in relaxing and self-care. I think it's so important. And I feel like people more than ever are like Netflixing and chilling, but that (laughs) is not relaxing. Because what they're doing is they're just plopping on the couch and turning it on mindlessly. And a lot of times sitting there being like, "Oof, I really should be at the gym, Oof, I really should be doing something else. And the thing is, that means you're not actually relaxing. You're not working out and you're not relaxing. I think watching Netflix is totally cool and totally fine. And I do it and I appreciate and I'm conscious every second I'm doing it. I'm like in it. I'm relaxing. I'm This is the only thing, like I'm okay with doing it. I don't live, try and live in two places at once. As long as I'm very conscientious about like, well, I also have to work out X amount of times in the week and I get that done and I do it. But when I'm relaxing or when I'm taking a bath or even watching Netflix, I'm all about what I'm doing and I'm appreciating what I'm doing in the moment. Like it feels good to relax. If you do it and you're just dialing it in, you're not really relaxing. So you're not getting anything done. You're not being productive you know, in the traditional sense of the word, and you're not being productive in a restorative way. Mm, So so really pay attention and choose. I'm going to relax now and really let go and relax and put the phone down. If you're reading a book or taking a bath or watching Netflix and just do that and really revel in the moment so that you can recharge. And then you feel excited to go work out the next day or do, you know, get to work or whatever it is. You know, you've refilled your your gas tank.
1: I love everything you just said and I think it's so important for people to hear it just give yourself permission to relax. You don't have to take your phone with you into the room when you're going to watch Netflix. And I wish if my teenage daughters are listening, that was said for you. And <laughs> you, really, you really need to start living that way. Um, so. Well, Aaron, thank you so much for being here today. How yeah, to get pleasure. done by Aaron Faulkner is available on Amazon or wherever you get your books, such a beautiful and important book. One that we highly recommend that you check out. And again, Aaron is the co-owner of pick and co-founder of leaf TV. And Aaron, where else can we find you?
2: I am available across all social channels at pick the brain or personally at Aaron Falconer.
1: Wonderful. Well, thank you again for being here. We are so appreciative. And I'm Dara Kurtz, creator of crazyperfectlife.com. And Garth is the Napkin Notes dad, and we will see you next time.
0: Thanks for listening. Thrive is created by Dara Kurtz of Crazy Perfect Life and Garth Callahan, the Napkin Notes dad, with the hope that we help you develop motivation and inspiration to make your life remarkable.
1: It would mean so much to us if you shared this with your friends and family and left us a review on iTunes. Remember, you deserve to thrive. Thrive Podcast is copyrighted by Darren Garth.